our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I'll be reading from John eighteen thirty-three to 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were, were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, answered You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, God. Thanks, Richard. 1925, uh, Pope Pius XI declared that the, that the Sunday before Advent... Uh, which is the last Sunday of the Christian year, he declared that it would be Reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday. And he did that in 1925. And Protestants, mainliners, and other people followed suit all over the world. Now think about what was going on in 1925, right? The end of World War I, the war to end all wars, right? World War I, there was all kinds of uh, things brewing like a, a kettle pot. In 1920, the Germans Workers' Party, which would become um, the Nazi Party, was just sparking in 2021 and 22, kind of disappeared, and then it came back up um, uh, with a vengeance a few years later. And, uh, and people were nervous. People were nervous because people were uh, uh, trading in, Christians all over the world were trading in the kingdom of God with their own little kingdoms, right? And they were beginning to make enemies of each other. Now, these are Christians doing this, right? Um, I'll never forget, in 08, Tripp and I got to go see what I think is uh, very hallowed ground, uh, Omaha Beach. And uh, if you've ever been there or in Lacombe, uh, France or in Cannes, uh, France, it's, it'll just kind of take your breath away to see all the, all, all the, all the tombstones there, most, uh, most of them uh, with crosses, some with the Star of David, some with the Crescent Moon, there, right there off Omaha Beach. I remember a, a, a professor at Southern, he said, now you need to go to the British one as well, there were some British cemeteries there, and uh, my son Tripp and I, he was 10 years old at the time, and we were there in this cemetery. Now, the, now the, for those of you who've been, you know this, that 
that, I mean, there's not one blade of grass out of place, on, you know, right there at the, at the United States um, uh, memorial in the, in, in the uh, cemetery there. But then you go, you go to the British one, and there's flowers, there's all these, you know, there's all these, uh, uh, they sort of let their, let, let their families decorate uh, the headstones. And there were crosses there as well. And then we looked over there and we saw some Maltese crosses. And Tripp and I both were like blown away that in the same cemetery there were German soldiers and there were British soldiers. Um, we went to the one in Lacombe, which was a German cemetery. France was not in the mood to give Germany a whole lot of land to bury their dead, but they did, and it was a mass grave and nothing but five gothic dark crosses interspersed all over hundreds of thousands. Yeah, there were maybe tens of thousands, but many, many soldiers in a much smaller land there. And Tripp and I had all kinds of questions about, you know, what happened and trying to understand that. But the thing that got me that I was, you know, it's like, wow, you know, those people were trying to kill those people, and those people were trying to kill those people, and yet they all claimed the cross, right? There's this story around Christmas in World War II uh, where um, there was a little bit of a break, and they, they, they had a ceasefire for just a few days, and where one German yelled and the other, uh, to the other uh, bunker over there, says, God asked the mutants, and, which is God is with us. And, a, and an American soldier said, yeah, yeah well, we got mittens too, right? So like everybody, everybody's claiming their version. And of course, man, let's talk about the greatest generation. I'm not trying to belittle anything. But what I'm saying is, is you even see it now, right? How easily we divide up the body of Christ into, into other allegiances. And how when we do that, it doesn't take very much for us to begin to kill each other. Jesus says, i got a bigger kingdom than that. So that is Christ the King. Last Sunday of the year. It's a great time to start over, to recharge your batteries. Because Advent's around the corner. And we've got a lot of great stuff planned for Advent and for December. But now we take pause. And the lectionary takes us in the Praetorium. The Roman governor, Pilate's got a lot of power. He's given a lot of power there. Pilate has got Jesus on trial right there. Jesus is all alone. And I'll remind you that it's near Passover. So a lot of the religious leaders were far away, but they didn't want to get too close. Because if you get, got too close to a Gentile or the Praetorium, the Roman fixture, then you would be unclean and you couldn't participate in the Passover. So there is Jesus. There is Jesus did you see how many question marks were between Jesus? And did you hear that when Richard read that? You know, what is truth? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus kind of answered questions back. I want us to think this last Sunday of the year, I want you to think about questions that have changed your life. Something that somebody asked you that actually changed your life on this Christ the King Sunday. I'll tell you one that changed my life. October 6th, Durham, North Carolina. I had a ring in my pocket and had to get up the gumption to ask.
Maybe I shouldn't tell. Maybe I shouldn't tell that. Check one, two. Okay. Okay, you're going to get to hear the story. So just in case you don't know how it all turned out. Um, so I have, a, I have a ring in my pocket, and I am scared as I can be. Now, I'm trying to do this the right way, right? Who in here took a knee when they proposed? Anybody take a knee? Okay, okay. I was a wimp. I didn't. We, 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 go, we go to Durham uh, to a restaurant called the Magnolia, I figured, well, since I'm dragging her to Mississippi from North Carolina, I better take her to, you know, to the Magnolia. And so we're there. But the, but the maitre d' gave us a middle table. So it was kind of hard. I felt real self-conscious. And I was looking around. It was a packed restaurant. And I was, well, should I take a knee? Should I not? And I just didn't know. And I was so nervous. And we, we were eating. And I kept stalling. And, like, all of a sudden, I grabbed the ring. You remember this, Jen? And I pushed my hands forward, and, uh, and I said, put your hands right here. And I gave her the ring, and I said, Jim, would you make me the happiest man in the world? Would you marry me? And it changed her life. It did. And I hope for the better. I know it changed my life for the better. It changed both of us. Just imagine. One question. Will you marry me? Change your life, those of you who answered that question, those of you who asked the questions. Maybe some of your lives got changed by like a question. Hey, will you come work with us? You know, maybe, uh, maybe some of your lives changed with that. Maybe it turned into a career. I remember there was an older lady in one of my congregations who, when she got married, she was in her 80s, but she told me early in their marriage, they almost... They almost, um, I mean, they almost it, it almost died the very first year. And they went through counseling and they, they did the best they could. And they were just hanging by a thread. And, and one of them in the marriage said, could we just start all over and try again? Can we do this? And the reason that was so amazing to me was because I knew her children and her grandchildren. How many lives did that question ask, uh, change? Remember Larry Speed, the late Larry Speed, God, God rest his soul, who was a pastor, and, and he changed my life. He said, Bruce, have you ever thought about being an ordained minister? And then my whole life, questions change. A beautiful confirmation service last week. I know a lot of you got to participate in that. Man, we asked dozens of questions. Everything was, we were asking these confirmands questions that we hope and pray stick to them for the rest of their lives as we baptize them and dared them to imagine a life every day lived with Jesus.
Lots of questions here. Jesus is on trial. He stands before Pilate, the Roman governor, in the Praetorium. And in a big trial like this, with somebody convicted of something very serious, the governor asks the questions, and the person accused is the one who answers the questions, right? But we discover something real interesting if you heard uh, it read uh, carefully. Pilate is not the only one asking questions. Jesus begins to ask Pilate questions. Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And Pilate's thinking, I don't know, earthly stuff. What do you own? Who do you control? Where, where are your forces? What kind of earthly power do you have? And Jesus didn't have any troops or tanks. He didn't have any geopolitical territory. But Jesus' kingdom is wherever people put his truth into action. So Jesus then switches the table and he puts Pilate on trial and he asks this question. Did you hear, are you the king of the Jews? Then Jesus says, well, did you hear about this on your own or did somebody else tell you about it? And that is the question that could have changed Pilate's life if he was paying attention. Do you say that? Or are you just telling me what other people are telling you. Remember Jesus' questions to, to the disciples a few days before? Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, Jesus. Some say you're a prophet, Jeremiah, Isaiah. No, no, no. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? What if people in our churches, what if you, what if I, what if we took Jesus' question a little more seriously today as we head off into December, into the new year. What if, what would happen if we took his question seriously? Are other people telling you about it? Or did you come up with this on your own? If Pilate would have listened closely, he might have seen something different. He might have seen that in Jesus, God pours out the love which changes the world. You don't need an army. It's not about what's going on outside of you. It's about what's happening inside of you. It's, it's, Jesus never worried about a throne, never rode a tank. He just asked us, do you believe it for yourself? Do you believe it? Um, Jesus' question contains a fundamental truth, and this is what I believe. This is the only point I'm making, so just remember this one. Our lives won't change if we only pay attention to what other people are saying about Jesus. Your life won't change. Um, I love to hear love stories. I love to hear, when I, when, I, when I do a wedding, I love to hear how the couple met each other, but that's not my story, that's their story. No, tell me about the time Jesus got on one knee and asked you to follow him. Tell me about that. That's what I want to know, not somebody else's story, your story. Who do you say that I am? Wes said something so good. I saw it on Facebook and I loved it. It was my favorite part of his sermon last week over in the sanctuary. He told those confirmands, he said, in Christ, you, you never walk alone, but no one can walk for you. This is your story. Are you ready 
to let Jesus' question change your life? That's my question for you today on this last Sunday of the year, of the Christian year. That's the question. Who's going to reign in that space, in your soul, in your heart? Who is your king? What is your kingdom? Because if Jesus is not there, what needs to be dethroned in your life in order for new life to begin? Because there's only room for, for one kingdom, right? Can't obey different masters, right? We, we need one. And that's my dare. As we, as we go, up to, uh, go up to Thanksgiving, are you ready to let Christ change your life? Jesus might ask this, hey, I love that cross on your neck. Um, and I love that, you know, cross stitch in your kitchen that's got a scripture verse. But is it more than a direct decoration in your life? How might the cross be your call, uh, call to living? How does it make a difference? Or Jesus might ask, I see that you believe you're a sinner, but will you let me change you from being, uh, well, will you, will you confess your sin? Will you do something different about it? Will you change your direction? I see that you're a member of a church, a very fine church. But will you let me change you from being an observer to a believer and doer? I see you took communion and received my blood and my body. But how are you going to share your bread with other people? That's the question. I see you preach forgiveness. Preacher, that's me, David. You too, and others maybe in the room. But how do you forgive others? How do you practice what you preach? I see you did well in your work and accomplished much. But what did you give away to bless others? Not what did you hoard or keep. I see that you're motivated to succeed. But how do you put other people first in your life? You see, questions can change our lives if we're quiet enough and slow down enough to hear God ask them. To be clear, let me just say this. Nobody's on trial in this room. God didn't put us on trial because we wouldn't, I mean, we wouldn't last very long, right? I just want to remind you that we're worshiping the King today. Someone who wants to be Lord in your life and mine. A Savior that loves you so much that he's asking you a life-changing question. Can you hear Jesus ask it? He's not coming to us on the top of the marble steps from a throne. He's talking in the form, he's taking the form of a servant. Jesus is down on one knee in the middle of the restaurant saying, Will you share your life with me? And he will stay there and keep asking questions that can change your life, my life, our life, this church. And all we've got to do is listen is listen. As we lead up to Thanksgiving, I've got a little homework assignment for you, and that is this. Just get quiet the next two to three days and ask God, God, what are you asking me? And then just be quiet and listen. I don't believe that God just talked a long time ago. What a waste all this would be if we thought God is a dusty God of the past. I believe in the risen Christ of the present, who is as close to us as our next breath, who doesn't have to shout because he's right there with us. And he's asking you and me, what are you going to do with this life? Or maybe it's what he asked Pilate. Did you come to know me on your own or did someone tell you about me?
He's asking us every day, I promise you, a question that can change our life. And I hope and pray that your answer, my answer, our answer will be I do. Yes. God gets the yes first and then he gets the, we get the details later. What a God we serve. So listen to the questions. Let's pray. Oh God, on this um, last Sunday of the year, Lord, we got so much stuff that wants to take up the centerpiece of our lives, the, the number one thing. We've got things that are claiming, clanging for our attention. And God, help us to just to let go of that today and to start again with nothing more than you. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God and trust that everything else will take care of itself. Help us, God, to hear your question. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.